Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are going to continue. Um, is it okay on, on online, Alan? The, uh, uh, I know it's got some problems with this uh, hmm, full battery. But anyway, we're going to continue. If it does get worse, we're going to go back to the handheld mic. Okay. So um, praise the Lord. How many of you enjoyed last week's message? Oh, it doesn't sound too good, does it? We're going to go into part two of um, nobodies. God wants to use you. If you see yourself as a nobody, you don't think much of yourself, uh, God wants to use you. And um, we're going to have our children's church just before we uh, start our service. So those of you, um, it's your time your church now, and we pray that you'll be blessed and that God would uh, really encourage you. We're going to have our children singing at Christmas Eve and, or doing something at Christmas Eve anyway. They're planning the rehearsing for that. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we come at this point to break the bread of life, your word to your people, I'm asking for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to be poured out in the knowledge of Christ that we may know him better. I'm asking that you touch these lips of clay. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I am nothing. So, Lord, I'm asking that you lift self out of me and hide me behind the cross so that I am not seen. Jesus, it is you that we want to glorify. So I'm asking that your name will be glorified today. And we vow to give you all the praise and all the glory for that which you would do. In Jesus' anointed name we pray. Amen. Why don't we revisit our text that um, we are building this uh, message on. Okay, so the text message is 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, verse number 26 and, uh, to 29. And uh, read this from the Amplified. And let's look at it again, shall we? You probably look at it from the New King James Version on there. And uh, so let's just uh, uh, read, shall we? Verse 26 of the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 26. And it says, just look, look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standard. You know, humans always uh, have these measures, how they measure people by their intellect, by their vocabulary, by their education, the qualification, where they live, social status that's always been evaluated by human beings, whether they're going to want to be your friend or whatever, but not with God. 
Thank God there is no prejudice or biasness with God. Amen? Hallelujah. And um, that were considered wise according to human standard. Not many powerful or influential. Not many of high and noble birth. But God has selected for his purpose. Look what God does. He has selected for his purpose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailties. Verse 28. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant, base things of this world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt. Do you feel that way at times? Your candidate here. Treated with uh, uh, contempt, the things, and uh, verse 29, so that this is the purpose why God has his finger on your life. If you think that you're a nobody, you're not good enough, you don't feel that you're good enough, you hate yourself. We know there is a, a lot of, especially young people today, that are self-harming. Uh, they don't like what they see in the mirror. They don't feel love. An absent father, an absent mother, or just absent love and affection uh, from uh, family. They don't seem to fit in at school, college, university. They see themselves as a recluse a misfit in society. You know, that is the majority of people. You know, there's insecurity in every human being because we live in a fallen world and we are fallen creatures. And when Jesus saves, he's not, he not only saved, he's satisfied, he completes. And that may take uh, uh, some process to get to. We are saved when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Christ into our lives. Some people just stop there unless they have further understanding and knowledge. They continue to go throughout life not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough, feeling like a second class Christian. Don't know if God really loves them like he loves others because we compare, we see things happening with others, we see prayers being answered for others but not being answered for us and somehow we think, does God really love me? How does he really see me? And if you have a low, self, low self-esteem and if you have... Um, a confident problem in yourself, somehow you, the enemy is going to capitalize on those uh, narrative and, 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 and use it against you to make you think God looks at you in an inferior way. And you have lots of people that, um, lots of Christians that are living way below their heritage. 
And so you find Christians, unless they're ministered to, they uh, develop some uh, idiosyncrasies and some really bad habits uh, to try and fill that insecurity that they have. And they do end up doing a lot of crazy things as Christians until they come into an understanding that on the cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore all those idiosyncrasies, all those proclivities that you may have, that low self-esteem that you may have. That hatred of oneself, not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. Listen, that was transferred to the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so there was an exchange that was made. God took all of that garbage, all of that junk upon himself because he became an offering for sin and that what was exchanged was grace, was healing, was deliverance for your life. God is able to heal any emotional, uh, mental damage that may occur because of your how you were brought up in your childhood you may have been sexually abused physically abused mentally abused uh, uh, psychologically abused spiritually abused jesus on the cross glory to god made remedy for all those insufficiencies all that uh, uh, emptiness, the emotional void, even though you may be a Christian, but you're still struggling with yourself, wondering, does God really love me? Why are things so bleak? How comes I haven't got this joy? There are steps to come out of that. And so we're going to move on and look at a number of things that, um, that we can uh, identify and people that God has raised up and is raising up. Um, and if you uh, see yourself as a misfit, you don't fit in. And you get people, they, they drift over to the occult because they, they don't fit in and all of a sudden they hear they can have control and power. And they get themselves in the occult or because of what took place in their lives, they become extremely bitter. And that's why the apostle Peter said to Simon, I discern that you have a gall of bitterness. So it started from that gall of bitterness that uh, uh, Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts turned to the occult and had a lot of power from the enemy to bewitch an entire area. And so uh, Jesus wants you to know you don't have to go to the occult. If you have gone to the occult, Jesus Christ is able to heal your broken heart. Is able to put the broken pieces of your life back together again. It's a process. 
Some of you have been broken for so long and, and the Lord, again, he, he reiterate, reiterated to me that many, many Christians are still in that broken stage. They've received salvation, but they're living below their heritage. They've, they struggle with the promises of God. The promises of God are all over uh, 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 this book, but they struggle to believe it and because they cannot believe it, they cannot receive it. And the devil is right where he's laughing. And he's seen uh, 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 your lack of understanding on scripture. And he constant, constantly ratchets up uh, your emotion to make you feel the way you feel. And to behave the way you behave. To act the way you act. You don't trust people. I've been hurt too many times. So I want to protect myself and that's why if you're watching online and you're at home because you've been hurt by ministers in the church, you've been hurt by members of congregation, so you decide that you want a safe place, you're going to make now Christian television your church, you're not going to be part of a congregation because you don't want to be hurt. God knows and God understands, but you don't have to be at that place. Somebody say amen. Too many people walking around with wounds, open wounds, and it's getting spiritually infected with all kinds of stuff. And they see God and they see the things of God, the kingdom of God in a distorted way, and heresy creeps into their mind. And they stick around with people who are like themselves. And they're thinking, well, I'm still having fellowship with people just like yourself. No, no, no. You need to be within a fellowship. Oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. And so, um, let's look at uh, 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 Gideon. Um, we, we, we were touching on Gideon uh, for a while and uh, just going in and out and looking at this man. In the book of Judges, chapter 6. Here is a nobody. All right. Uh, let's look at this. So, um, Weary, feeble, powerless. Sometimes when we feel physically or spiritually weak, we are tempted to take time out, thinking that God will not use us again. You make a mistake in your life and you somehow you think you don't know if God is going to um, fulfill what he had spoken to you some time ago because of that mistake, that failure in your life. It may be a, a failure that is uh, sociably un unacceptable in some people's eyes. But I thank God that he's the God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. Where sin abound, the grace of God did what? Much abound regardless of your mistakes I want you to know that grace is greater than your mistakes grace is greater than sin and one one acknowledges that and repent the blood goes into action to completely wash as white as snow now you remember the devil remembers and if it was something public or known to people they remember and so the devil will try to remind you of what you did. Uh, and you, you got so-called Christians, they want to uh, remind you, to control you. 
Um, the devil sees destiny, purpose over your life. You cannot fully see because of how you feel about yourself. But once again, I want to say to you, if you see yourself as a nobody, God wants to use you. You say, well, I don't have much education or don't have edu any education at all. I come from this type of a family. It does not matter. Uh, God uh, is going to use you. Now, it was wartime and Gideon was hiding when an angel of the Lord appeared to tell him that he would uh, be the one to save Israel. Uh, so for seven years, Israel uh, was being demoralized by their enemies. They will plant their crop and when it comes down to harvest, the enemy knew about the harvest time, just like the enemy sometimes know about the harvest time in your life. But now when God comes to want to bless you, there's still unforgiveness. There's still bitterness. There's still resentment. You're still saying the wrong things. You're still cursing yourself. And God cannot get the blessing to your life, in your life. Because those things are still there. In spite of what took place in the past, that was not your fault. That happened to you. We are commanded in the scriptures to forgive. When we refuse to forgive, your life will be greatly limited in what God can do. Not only that, you're putting yourself in danger. As we know in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, if we do not forgive men their trespasses, then... The Bible says God will not forgive us of our trespassing. And that's very serious. And I know there's not one person under the sound of my voice that someone has not done wrong to. Some of you to greater degree than others. But regardless of the degree, Jesus has before provided grace for your healing and your deliverance what you may not be able to see and understand the call of God on your life and how God wants to use you because you see yourself completely insignificant you've been despised you feel like a nobody God has got his finger on your life to raise you up in his love to make you a somebody but there's healing but the Lord wants to bring about in your life. People talk about you. People have done something against you. Those things hurt. We're human beings. But there is a balm in Gilead. Jesus is that balm in Gilead. To heal the damaged soul. To heal that damaged memory. That caused you to creep back into your hole just when you're coming out the enemy reminds you through a situation of what happened to you and all of a sudden the past comes flooding back into your life and the anger comes up and the resentment comes up 
and the blessings is aborted, the angels have to return back to heaven. God wants to heal. It is time for your wounds to be healed. It is time for your brokenness to be healed. And you must understand that, yes, Jesus bore our sins, which is the greatest of all. But unless you get a revelation that only he did, he bore your sins. But that brokenness, the lack of love, the no love in your childhood growing up, Cause you need to do all kind of crazy things looking for love in all the wrong places. You want to feel love. You want contentment. You want to be fulfilled. And so you turn to different spouses, people, and then you're hurt even more. Broken promises, broken dreams, the wound opens up more and then you close yourself off I will never trust anybody again if I get married I will never and you make all these things which are open door to the kingdom of darkness to wreck one's life not knowing that Jesus made remedy for those things you don't have to go through your life broken. If the Bible says that Jesus heals the brokenhearted, either he's telling the truth or he's lying. Either he's telling the truth or he's lying. Let God be true and every man a liar. So God can heal. The memories won't go, but God can heal. This thing can be taken out of the things that has occurred and has happened in your life. That's literally stopping you coming into your present to go into your future. Still the past is keeping you in the past. Consider not the things of old. For behold, I shall do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way even in the wilderness and streams in the deserts. That's your life. Your life may be like a desert right now, barren right now. But God says, in that desert place, I can provide a stream. In that wilderness, I can provide water. In other words, what seems impossible with God, all things are possible. Come on, church. All things are possible. You see, according to your faith... In God's word, according to your faith being unto you, if you don't believe it, you're going to be robbed by the devil of destiny. I pray before the end of this year that you begin to deal if you're suffering these things. Year after year after year, you're not going forward because of the past, because of the past. When God says forgive, He's not making light of what happened to you. Oh, you don't know what they did to my kids. You don't know what happened to me. 
I don't need to know what has happened to you. What you need to know is what happened on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross for you. As long as your eyes are on the past or on that condition, you cannot see Christ. When you take your eyes off you and what has happened and you look on the cross, you look at, I'm not talking about a wooden beam now. I'm talking about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and what he did there for you on the cross. As you look into Christ, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. His healing virtue can flow into your life. It won't be an overnight experience. When I suffered greatly from low self-esteem, feeling no good. But I stand before you as a testimony of the grace of God. My boast is not in myself. My boast is in the cross of Christ. Christ and him crucified. He's able to deliver. He's able to save. He's able to transform. He's able to heal. Every broken heart. Whoever you are. Take your insignificance. Laid at the foot of the cross and allow the balm of Gilead to flow into your life. And the healing process kicks in and begin that work of his grace to transform your life. That the Lord will lift you up as an exhibition for his glory. And for his praise. Oh my Lord. Mm. And so um, looking at Gideon and trying to uh, get back uh, uh, to the actual text and, and the life of Gideon. I want to say again, um, Gideon is someone that um, I believe we all can see a, a bit of ourselves in some more than others. Because here was a guy that when the angel came, he was in a wine press, running from the enemy, demoralized, year after year after year. If you plant crop and it comes for harvest, and before you can get to your harvest, the enemy is already there taken. That harvest that you worked so hard for, you labored so hard for. After a few years, you're going to be completely reduced to nothing. And this is what it was like for Gideon and the children of Israel. And so that's why when the angel appeared to him, he was shocked. Must have thought the angel had the wrong address. He says, you don't know me. Listen. My family is the least of all the clans, the 12 tribes. And I, in that family, am the least of the least. It's amazing that God goes to the least of the least. That God has a special place in his heart for those who are broken, dejected, rejected, outcast. That nobody would give anything for completely, utterly despise. Like, look at you up and down. 
intimidating you. As though you are nothing. I want you to know God wants to use nothing today. God wants to use all those who couldn't consider themselves as absolutely nothing. And this is Gideon, how can I save Israel, Lord? I come from, paraphrasing, I come from a nobody family. And I am the lowest nobody in my family. And you are going to use me? I'm sure, Lord, I can recommend. And it's what I used to say to God when he was calling me. I just thought God had made a big mistake. I thought my friend is better than me. He knows more scriptures than me. And I said, Lord, you know, why don't you use him? Why do you want to use me? What, what, what do you see in me? Wow. You know, when Gideon conversed with the angel, well, if you're with us, Lord, why are all these things happening to us? One could say, well, Lord, if you love me, then where were you? Why didn't you? We have all these whys. You know, and God doesn't really answer our whys. He did not answer uh, the whys of Gideon. If you are with me, what, why are all these things happening to us? The angel, says, angel said, go in strength of the Lord. I want you to know when God calls you, you may be an alcoholic, you may be a drug addict, you may be just... Uh, I feel like a nothing and nobody. God doesn't speak to where you are. He speaks to your future. He speaks to your destiny. It's what he sees. And this is where we find it very difficult to gravel. When God is now speaking uh, uh, like wow stuff over our lives. Or we are, we are seeing ourselves in dreams doing things that you're thinking, boy, that can't be me. Because of how you see yourself. You know your inadequacies. How can God use me to do that when I feel completely inadequate? Because God is speaking to your destiny. God is speaking to your future. And that's what he wants you to come in agreement with. That's why the Bible says, and with God. All things are possible. With is someone and God. You and God. God is in partnership with you. He's on your side. God wants to take the ashes of your life and bring beauty out of it. I will bring beauty out of ashes, the Bible says. And you may consider and you may look on your life in that way. Just ashes. Guess being in the shoes of Gideon. As I mentioned last week, what we can learn from Gideon is this. 
though it was difficult for him to accept what God was saying about him, but he was willing and he was obedient. Willing and obedient. When someone is willing and obedient, there is no ceiling to where God will take you to. One has to be and remain faithful. Allow God to take you through the process that he needs to take you through. You're going through the valley. You're not making your camp in the valley. You're going through. Yeah, I walk through. I walk through. Pick up your bed if you've made your bed in that valley and you see yourself as a loser. You don't see what's happening with your life. Come out of that mental blockage. Take God at his word. Oh, pastor, it's easy for you to say it's not. Nothing is easy in life. Nothing is meant to be easy in life. If you're looking for the easy life, you will be deceived. I don't see anything easy in the word of God. The Bible says we press, we press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. There is a resistance. Yes, because we have an enemy. But we also have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the conquering line of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. Who is with you. The Bible says the righteous shall be bold as a lion. You may see yourself timid and fearful. I was timid and fearful. My God. God, I, I thank God constantly where he has brought me from. When you hear God speak into your life and call you son, call you daughter and say, I love you. When you hear the words, thank you for what you do. I don't care if about the accolades of men. I want to know, God, what do you think of me? Although I feel not good enough, unworthy, I guess that would always kind of be there to a certain extent when you're talking about a holy God. I mean, who can ever feel worthy? No one. doesn't matter who you are. But... When you know that, you know that, you know that you are loved by God. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter the threats. God will be with you in every uh, uh, situation. Now, uh, listen to this. After God enlisted the nobody, Gideon, he got a nobody army. <laughs> then God took those nobodies and won the battle. God takes us in our weak state and use us so that he, this is the purpose, so that he alone will be glorified. One cannot take the credit because you know you. But when you begin to take the credit, that's where God begins to lift his grace off your life. 
James chapter 4 and verse 10. Humble yourself with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will, he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So the way up in God's kingdom is the way down. If you lift yourself up, God will make you a base. Listen, in the kingdom of God, there are no superstars. You see a lot of them on Christian television. They make themselves like a celebrity preacher. Listen, the spirit of God has left those people long ago. The book of Acts is our timetable. It is our template of what God wants to do in his church and through ordinary people like yourself and mine. That once we begin to lift ourselves up and make something of ourselves, God begins to look for somebody else. So it doesn't matter the following, it doesn't matter how popular you are, how many people speak in your name. It's not known in heaven. Until one humbles themselves. The word humble comes from the word meaning to make oneself low. Those conscious of being in the presence of a majestic, infinite, holy God are humble. Look at Psalms chapter 75 and verse 6 and 7. For exhortation or promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, nor from the south. Verse 7. But God is the judge who puts down one. This is, what, this is what's going to happen in this season. God is going to stop put down certain people because they have refused to humble themselves. And he exhorts or promotes another. And right throughout the body of Christ, God has already marked those that he is going to use in these end times in an exponential way. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 that the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Your number one aim is to know him. It's to know him. Ministry is probably there, but put that on the back burner. Lord, I want to know you. The Bible says that the children of Israel knew God's works, but Moses knew his ways. Who is seeking the ways of God? Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know you more. Knowing you is more than having ministry. Knowing you is more than being popular in this world. Because the same people that make you popular, they can turn on you. They can drop you like an ant. Matthew chapter 23, 5 and 6 
And whosoever exalts, lift up themselves, will be humbled. And he who humbles themselves will be exalted. In the kingdom of God, there is no room for, listen, self-promotion. All those who are seeking to promote themselves, God is going to humble them. They will become base in the kingdom of God. In these, these, these last days that we are living in, there is no room for self-promotion. God hates it. Because what's at the base of that is pride, is self-glorification. And God will not, will not give his glory to another. Lord, show me very clearly those that God will raise up and use in a mighty way. They begin to promote themselves and begin to uh, uh, take the shine off the cross and upon themselves. God's going to remove the, his hands are going to be removed. Those gifts are just going to dry up. They're not going to get it back. These are the last days. These are the last days that we are living in. And what we're going to see in this end times is phenomenal, breathtaking things. Because the number one uh, uh, need on the heart of God is souls. It's souls. And the church is so busy playing around while people are going to hell in a basket. Seeking self-promotion. Seeking this. Seeking that. Seeking permission. In fighting. Going on in churches. While souls are going to hell. Whoever exhorts, whoever lifts up, whoever seeks to make themselves known. The only reason why you should want to be known is to make him known. Let me say that again. The only reason why you wish to be known is to make him known. Not yourself. Let God lift you up. Let him promote you. You're busy being distracted on those that God is using. Or seem to be using. And you think, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I've got to be seen. The nobodies. There's so many people in our world today with autism. Different degrees of autism. This wasn't like this 50 years ago. Some of the things that you find with some of these uh, people with autism that they've got a, a gift that really stands out, a talent that really stands out. You may have seen the young man with a photographic memory that is able to take him up in a uh, helicopter and, uh, and just uh, flew around London and he's able to come back and draw in great details everything that he has seen. And there are other gifts that springs out. Watch how God is going to raise up people with this problem of autism. 
Let me remind you, God says, I will use the base things. Nothing despised. Rubbish. What the world, God doesn't consider his creation rubbish. Regardless of the insufficiency and the lack they may have in their lives or what may have happened to them, God doesn't look on them any different than looks at you. You consider yourself normal or whatever. We as human, we are biased, we are prejudiced, we are indifferent. And we look down on people and we think of people certain ways. But God doesn't. And God says, I'm going to raise up the base thing. I'm going to raise up the despise. I'm going to raise up those who are feeling insignificant. This is the time God is doing that. God is working on those people. God is drawing them to the right place of fellowship so they can be properly discipled. And hear the unadulterated word of God. Some people try to give the appearance of humility in order to manipulate others. Christ's example, greatness, comes from serving, giving of yourself to God and to others. Listen to this. Service keeps us aware of others' needs. Remember, the human nature is a selfish nature. We will mostly focus many times on ourselves. And so, giving of our self to help people deals with that self-centeredness, me, myself, and I. That Jesus says, if you're coming after me, if you're going to follow me, deny your. And so one of the ways of denying yourself is service. Helping others. Thinking of others. Somehow we think, well, if I do that, who's going to think about me? Don't worry about that. God's work will come into play. Thank you, Jesus. So service keeps us aware of others' need and stops us from focusing only on ourselves. Jesus came as a servant. Again, I, I, I point you back to Jesus. Regardless of what you're seeing in this world, in the era of ministries, there's a real distortion in, in a lot of ministries where you keep your eyes on ministry and you don't look at Jesus. Because again, you see a lot of self-seeking ministries seeking to, uh, to lift up themselves, to promote themselves, to build them, uh, their own kingdoms. And um, if you keep looking at that, then you think that's the way to go. And then when you now look at the scriptures and you think, wait a minute, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I'm no slave. I'm no slave. I'm not going. See, that just deal with the pride. That would deal with selfishness. 
Jesus Christ did not come to be served. He's our example. Christ is our example. Regardless of who we're looking at, that has made themselves like a celebrity. You can't get near them. They've got bodyguards all around them. Just like those in the world. They pattern, listen, they pattern their lifestyle as the non-believers, celebrities out there. They demand a certain amount of money. If you want them to preach in your church, in your ministry, the type of cars they want at the airport to pick them up, the Bentley, the Rolls Royces, the limousines, and what they, the type of hotel they want. Listen, those kind of ministries, don't pay attention to them. You, you go astray. Don't follow them. You will go astray. That is not the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's not the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come to be served. He came to serve. Easy to forget about this. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord was teaching his disciples that the style of greatness and leadership for believers is different from the world the gentiles leaders dominate in dictatorial fashion using carnal powers and authority believers are to do the opposite you don't see much of an example today of that because they're following what they're seeing and not following what they should be reading. And while they have the popularity, the money, the large congregation, and it's not wrong to have either of those things, but if it's all about, if you make it about you, about you. You watch what the Lord is going to do in these last days. A lot of these places are going to empty out. With the glory and the power of God that's going to be manifested, people are going to know there's a difference. People say, listen, this place, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is in this church. Things are happening. We know it's God. The base things God is going to lift up in these last days. He's doing it already. I would say the, the, the nameless and the faceless generation. Nameless, your name is not known. Faceless, who knows about you? God says, I'm going to use the nameless and faceless ones that are not seeking self-promotion. They're just seeking my glory. They understand that, Lord, I exist for your glory and your glory alone. It was the lifestyle of the apostles. Haven't you read the book of Acts? Haven't you read when God used them in phenomenal ways? Man was ready to worship. It was abhorrent to them. They were ready to, and they did tear their clothes. No! I'm just a man, a human like yourself. Where are the examples today? 
of these men and women. Very, very, very few. Because they all want to be served and not to serve. Where is Christ-likeness in our churches, in these ministries? Thank God for a handful of some of them that we can see that are an example to others who are coming up. Those are the ones that you should have your eyes upon and praying for and getting alongside those ministries and, um, and see what God uh, will do in his timing and stop running after popularity. You want to be popular? For what reason? Well, um, no one believed in me when I was young. I want to prove myself to my family. I want to prove myself to my friends. You need Jesus. You need help in that area. I can understand that. When you suffered with rejection. When you suffered with being despised. Then no one really believes in you. So, so at times there is a need to prove yourself. Something happens and now let me take my chance now. And prove you, you want to be able to deal with that. Bury that. Bring it before the cross. Lest that thing takes you over and you begin to do things out of the will of God. Just to get, thank you, Lord, this is the word, approval. I want approval. That's obviously in our human nature. Get it from God. If you seek it from men and you get it from men, they can take it away from you. But when the Lord lifts you up, can't anybody put you down? Because they didn't lift you up, it was God. And so getting approval I want to be approved. I want to be affirmed. I want love. That's the human condition. But if you're pursuing that in, if I do this, then I'll get seen. If I do this, I'll be known. You don't want to go. Those days are over. Those days are over, church. God is seeking men and women that has a heart after his own heart, is to make him known. And any ounce of self-gratification and self-glorification should be, listen, abhorrent. And what will stop that, and this is a, a message to come, is having the fear of the Lord. It's because there is no fear of the Lord that people seek their glory and do things and not even think about it or care about it because the fear of God is not. But the fear of God is coming back to his church. We read what happened in the book of Acts at offering time. Uh, God killed two people. Given a large amount of money. He killed them. This is New Testament, not Old Testament. See, that is a time when the presence of God was in a powerful way being present. And so people come to the offering and lied, and they dropped dead. What did the Bible say? And great fear. And the fear of God. And not many people sought to join them. 
these are the people that weren't serious. You want to have one foot in the church and one foot in, in the world and play around with the things of God. So when God's hand begins to move, and we're going to see a lot of that in these last days, God's going to remove ministers. They're going to be removed. Some of these ministers are going to be taken out of the equation because they've deceived the people. They've fleeced the people for years. And they have prevented people coming into their destiny. That's why Isaiah says, in the year that Uzziah, King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, then I saw the Lord. Who was in the way? Uzziahs. There are many Uzziahs that God is going to remove out of the way because they are in the way of the people getting to God. God removes them. All of a sudden, eyes are open. I said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his trail filled the temple. Then he says, whoa, it's me. Before that, he didn't see anything. He didn't even see his sins. A man of unclean lips amongst unclean people. Problem was with his mouth. Words. That's why the angel took the coal fire and touched his tongue. God is not going to tolerate people that are standing in the way and taking his glory. They may have gotten away with it for a time because God is long-suffering. But in his last days, you see, he's coming back. And it is Jesus who has redeemed his church by his blood. And he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's removing the spots and ironing out the wrinkles. Hallelujah. As people begin to desire the holiness of God. Oh God, I want your holiness in my life. I want to hate sin the way you hate sin. So much so that you were punished for my sins. For us to continue to play around. It's a mockery of the cross. Oh, grace covers me. Oh, does it? My spirit will not always strive with men, the Bible says. What kind of greatness do you seek? Listen to this. Why does God delight in using nobodies? The first reason is found in the book of, as we read before, 1 Corinthians chapter, 20, uh, uh, chapter 1 verse 29. Let's move on from there. That no flesh uh, should glory in his presence. When we get to heaven, not one of us will be able to say we got there on our own merits. Thank you, Jesus. We are saved simply, simply by his grace and his grace alone, the grace of God. The second reason is found in verse 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. He who glorifies, or he who boasts. So God does something amazing through your life. The temptation 
oh, I can get known. I can be somebody. I can be significant now in the eyes of people. I can be important. Yes, I want to feel important. I never felt important before. Now this amazing thing has happened in my life. Now I can fleece this for my glory. Be careful. The person that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Lord, had it not been for your grace, where would I be? Lord, I remember where you brought me from. I was nothing. I am nobody. And had it not been for your grace, I would not be where I am. I would not be doing what I'm doing. It's all on your credit, Lord. All the glory, all the honor, all the thanks, and all the praise is to you. So listen to this, church. So whatever praise may come to you by man, because it will, it always will. And there's nothing wrong in having an encouraging word. I was blessed. I was encouraged by what you have to say. That's okay, but there's an overboard, okay, where they begin to lift you up. It's flattery. It's called flattery. It's a trap of the devil. Once you open yourself to that, you're going to fall. Because then pride will come, and then comes a fall, destruction. And so many has walked that path and fallen. Believe in their own report. Believe in their own press. Oh, I'm the next good thing since sliced bread. I'm the next this person, I'm the next that person. Be careful of all that. That's the devil. He is very subtle and cunning. And I've been asking, Lord, Lord, help me to discern the subtle and cunning ways of the enemy when he comes. You see, anything that is subtle, anything that is cunning, is not obvious. I mentioned this before. It is not obvious. And many people get caught in that subtle and cunning ways how the enemy comes to trip you up. Lord, help me to always be at your feet. Help me to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, more than ministry, more than money, more than popularity, whatever will be bestowed on me. Lord, I want to hear you say, well done. I seek for your affirmation more than the affirmation of human beings, mere mortals. That's where God is leading his people. That's kingdom mindset. Where the glory is always on him and given to him. And that's why God wants us to hide behind the cross. Lord, not that I be seen, but you be seen. And you know what God's going to do when you do that. He's just obviously going to lift you up. Because you seek to glorify his name. If we operate in our own strength and not God's, we risk taking the glory and the credit for ourselves. Scripture tells us that we must be weak and low enough in order for God to use us. Look at the pattern again of Gideon, and you can go throughout all the patriarchs uh, in the Bible, what God had to the process that they had to go through, and the process can take years at times. But I know that in these last days, God 
clearly showed me that he says, I'm going to do a quick work depending on the hunger of people towards me. Depending on their willingness and obedience, there's going to be an accelerated work of grace in the lives of those people to know Christ and desiring to know him more. God would automatically open doors. It would just automatically be open. You won't be seeking. You won't be running after doors to be open. Doors will be running after you. Because you are making God first in your life, you're putting him first, you, you now have the understanding that the most important thing is your relationship with God. You understand that passage in the Bible where Jesus went to his friend's house, uh, Lazarus and, and, and Martha and Mary was there and all of a sudden as Jesus came with the other disciples, uh, um, uh, Martha went to obviously prepare lunch, uh, Mary went straight to the feet of Jesus. Martha came along and says, Master, tell Mary to come and help. Jesus said, she has sought the best thing at my feet. There's plenty of time for ministry. All the razzmatazz. Don't move from my feet. The Lord would remind us that he is our source and our sustainer. When you divert that to human beings, you're finished. The devil's got you. So many servants of God has made man their source and uh, uh, their sustainer. Look at this uh, verse. We're going to uh, be closing soon now. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another. You seek your own glory. Here is the word of the Lord. Very clear. I will not give to another nor my praises to graven image. God wants to take us down to the very depths of ourselves to teach us that if there is any power, it is the power that is in God and not in us. God doesn't need to make us into, listen, performance or superstars in order to use us these entertaining christians these performance ministries these superstardom ministries the hand of god is far removed just like it was removed from king saul but he still had a huge following king saul still still had a huge following though the hand of God had lifted and God looked and saw a David a listen a nobody not even his mother or father believed in little David all the other brothers were lifted up they had the x-factor 
but not David. But whilst David was in that wilderness with the few sheep, he was having experiences with God. Hallelujah. And so when Saul came, or Samuel came, knocking at the door, all the brothers were rejected. And David was accepted to be the next king over Israel. Could you imagine the look on his brother's face? They didn't call him, did they? When Samuel came round, he was left. Rejection. That's rejection. Daddy, why didn't you call me in the first place? When Samuel came round to anoint the next king, he didn't mention me. It wasn't until all the brothers were, God says, I reject that one, I reject that one, I reject, but they got the stature of Samuel. Samuel, God allowed the gift of discernment to lift from him, and we heard what he was saying. I'm sure it's this one. It's got the stature, got the height, it's got the X factor. God says, I've rejected, I've rejected. Samuel says, haven't you got any more? Oh, 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 oh yeah, at David. When my mother and father forsook me, God, that's what David said. And God used the rejected, the dejected, the outcast, the nobody. Just as how he's going to raise you up. Get before him. Deal with all those sediments of the past. Those issues with people, what they have done to you, what they have said about you. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for the grace that you are able to let those people go. The number one, the number one problem in the body of Christ is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And yet this is supposed to be one of our trophies as Christians because we have our Lord as an example. But so many gods of my people are carrying bitterness and resentment. They say with their mouths they're forgiven, but their hearts they haven't. I forgive, but I'm not going to forget. Then you haven't forgiven. I forgive, but I won't forget. That's a deception that the enemy has used. I've heard that growing up in church. I forgive, but I won't forget. I even heard someone stood up in time in testimony and they gave their experience. I forgive, but I won't forget. And they walked up and everybody goes, Amen. Oh my Lord, it sounds good, doesn't it? But it, it's a oh, it's a death trap for many Christians because they think they're making light of their circumstances and they're not. Jesus is the balm in Gilead and he wants to deal with all those with broken hearts, all those who felt rejected time and time again, did not have the love. Things missing from your life, Jesus can complete you. Jesus completes. Jesus heals those broken areas of one's life. He can, he will. You must believe that. that he, are you willing to let go? Some of you watching me online right now, this, 
message rings a bell. I'm reading your email, or the Holy Spirit is. And you have been dealing and battling with the past. God wants to take you from the past and bring you into the present and launch you into the future. God doesn't want this year of 23 to close without these issues that have been in your life being dealt with on the cross of Calvary. You can know the healing, balming Iliad. David said in Psalms 23, the Lord restoreth my what is that? Soul is what? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Those are the areas of our lives that get damaged. And David says, the Lord restores. Is God in the restoration business? Can he really restore? Can I truly have peace? Can I truly have joy? In place of this, every so often, depression that comes because of what I remember, can God really heal that part of my life? Absolutely, yes. You must be willing to let go of the past. Looking unto Jesus, he will give you a fresh revelation of the cross. This is what the church needs, a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the message of the cross that's missing from the church. God is taking the church back to the cross. The devil hates everything to do with Christ and him crucified. That's the message. Not a wooden beam. There's no power in this. No virtue in this whatsoever. If they found the actual cross that Jesus Christ died on, no virtue, no power. It's the person and what he completed or what he finished for your wholeness, for your soundness, for your deliverance, for your salvation, for your freedom. The power of the cross of Christ is the answer, the only answer. It is the only remedy. It is the only prescribed order for victory in the life of every believer. The cross and only the cross. Anything other than the cross, you flee away from it. Paul says, I preach Christ and him. What? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing God you are. We thank you this afternoon for your presence, for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, for the delivery of your word. Lord, where I lacked and fail, Lord, I am positive that your spirit is able to make up for, Lord. For those who have been watching and listening, Lord, I'm asking... Father, where there is such brokenness and inadequacies and insignificance, Lord, that people feel and uh, like an outcast, people carrying bitterness and resentment, still walking around with the past. You said in your word to set aside every weight and 
and sin that easily besets, hinder, restricts, hold us back. I pray, Lord, for every weight of the past of things that has taken place in people's lives. Lord, only you can heal. Only you can deliver. Lord, I trust every person under the sound of my voice in your hands. I thank you, Balming Gilead, that you will move by your spirit and power and bring healing to broken hearts. People who are disfragmented because of life's circumstances. Jesus, please heal. Please restore. Please make whole. It's your people. They're not mine. You are the one, Jesus, who died for them. I did not die for anyone. Jesus. Right where you are, just stay where you are. Jesus. The balm in Gilead. lives right now Lord I thank you that your presence is present wherever people are right now that you're going to reassure them that you love them that you have been with them that you want to use them you use the nobodies of life you're raising up the nobodies Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Even those who have great abilities, but they know that apart from you, they are nothing. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Let us stand to our feet, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. You can sing this wonderful song. Hallelujah.